Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Let's find out what's making uh, the headlines in our local papers the Gory Guardian, the New Ross Standard, the Anascorthy Guardian, and the Wexford People. Let's head to Gory, and I'm joined by Amy Lewis. Good morning to Amy. How are you doing? I'm grand, Amy. I'm going to take you back from Gory back to Slaney Manor, which sold last month for a figure in excess of €2 million. Euro. You've got some updated information on what it's likely to become now. What's the story here, please, Amy? Maria Pepper has penned this story. Yeah, so this is a story that's, that's on the, the front of the Wexford people regarding, as you say, Slaney Manor, um, which is a venue that includes a guest house, a wedding venue, and is set on 38 acres. Um, so in Maria's story... Uh, she, she details the fact that it's come to light that this is expected to open as a migrant centre in July. Um, so it was purchased by a Dublin-based company which is involved in the provision of migrant accommodation in other parts of the country. Uh, in her piece, Maria heard the concerns of some people in Barrington regarding the fact that they weren't informed of this development in advance. And I suppose I'm just to say that like, their concerns come of a place of wanting to be as supportive as they possibly can be to those arriving in the community and that they feel by, you know, be just being flagged on this, getting some information in advance, they could ensure that they get the necessary supports and services in place um, and also help to prevent any negative commentary and hostility that could arise. Um, also in Maria's piece, um, she, she noted that the department has previously committed to engaging with local representatives to providing information regarding developments like this, um, but this is called into question by Sinn Féin councillor Tom Ford, who says that this this prior consultation never seems to happen. Um, so, so likewise, uh, councillor Ford was saying, you know, that if we had this consultation and information for local people yeah. and representatives, in advance, it would prevent, you know, what we're seeing in Clare at the moment and, uh, you know, m- mitigate any potential negative negativity and hostility. Full story in this week's Wexford People, also in the Wexford People this week. The old Wexford Garda station, according to Porrick Byrne, could be turned into a refugee accommodation centre temporarily. Can you tell me more about this, please? Yes, yeah, so Porrick's piece uh, outlines how a planning application has been lodged to convert the old Wexford Garda station into temporary refugee accommodation uh, for Ukrainians uh, fleeing the war. So an application was was lodged on the 10th of May by a newly created company called Decodale Limited, uh, which has an address at Monclody. Um, so, so a lot of people would know this property. It sat idle there for about five years and fell into disrepair, and there, there have been calls from councillors that for the OPW to either use it or sell it off. Uh, it was sold off earlier this year, and in their application, the new owners have stated their intentions to alter the building to fast-track living accommodation for refugees fleeing the war in Ukraine. Um, again, I suppose it was highlighted in this piece that maybe there wasn't that much consultation with, with uh, some local representatives. Uh, Porig spoke with Mayor Maura Bell, who said she wasn't aware of these plans, but she was very hopeful that people would be welcoming and that Wexford wouldn't see similar scenes to, to what's been seen in, in ancient County Clare. Uh, we're going to move to Gorey now and I was just saying off air I was up there for the park run for a run 65 for Marine Watch and I was speaking to a couple of people there I won't name them who were ta- talking to me about the uh, desperation and isolation and exhaustion they're going through and I'm glad that, I'm sure they were glad to get out and do the park run um, this is the, the story regarding St Aidan's respite service users and you have an update for us please and by all this is a powerful story and maybe you can just give us uh, the core of it 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's lengthy enough. So so I'll, I'll give you uh, some examples and, and a little bit as to what it involves. Um, but just I suppose to give background, and I know you've covered this yourselves, Alan, uh, at the beginning of the month, St. Aidan's Services announced that it will close its respite services for a 12-week period, citing staffing challenges as a reason behind the closure. Uh, this story in particular is focused on the, the parents and the caregivers of those who utilise the respite services. Um, and I suppose it highlights their, the sheer desperation they're feeling since this announcement. Uh, on Friday, which was 19 days since the news came to light, uh, parents, caregivers and, and indeed a lot of people from around the town walked down Gorey Main Street in a peaceful protest aimed at getting the services reopened. Um, so I was out there with, with some of them and I spoke with many parents and heard their stories and it really just brought home how crucial this service is for people like themselves. Um, some examples, Alan, like I, I spoke with a, a single parent and full-time caregiver for her 21-year-old autistic son. She said she, she's no other support aside from the respite and she was hoping to get away on a very short family trip this year for the first time in 20 years. Um, that's that's not going to be possible now. And she said to me, there's no one knocking on my door to make sure I'm okay. And it's very isolating. Um, another woman has six autistic children, one of whom she was hoping to get respite for uh, in the coming months. Uh, the necessity of this was, was really highlighted for her in the coming weeks as she just discovered that she has two tumours and she fears that if you know she doesn't have this support for her son in the form of respite, she might be unable to, to access the treatment that she requires. So, I mean, these are just some examples of, of the stories of the people who are out there on the day and they're just really, really trying to fight to get the services reopened as soon as possible. Yeah, we've no idea, Amy, have we, what people are going through. I mean, I regularly speak to carers and uh, and, I'm, and I meet carers from time to time and even when they walk into a studio here to do an interview, you can just see the bags under their eyes and the pressure they're under. We have no idea, people in a caring role, what they're going through. And maybe, you know, more needs to be done to highlight that and, and more needs to be done to keep the pressure on to get them the respite that they deserve. Yeah, no, that, that's it, Alan. And I mean, these people are dealing with the, the regular challenges that, of life and some of them have other children as well as being full-time caregivers. And uh, it is just, just such a challenging thing. And for one, the, the First Lady I mentioned just said, you know, there's without knowing when, when this is going to be back and available for her to, to avail of and her son to avail of, like there's, there's, she put it, no light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and it's not to say she, she kept stressing that, you know, she absolutely, they all do, they absolutely love their children, but this is partially why they, they need that little break and their, their children need that little break as well. Yeah, just, uh, we won't get a chance to talk about it, but I want to highlight in all the papers, there's a comprehensive sports coverage and uh, Alan O'Hearn and the team have stepped up to the plate to once again highlight what is the most important match in Wexford GA history and the phone and line and text line is still hopping over it. So detailed analysis of events that unfolded and the previews of what's coming down the tracks. Well, we'll conclude our chat with you by looking at the Enniscorthy Guardian and a leading historian disappointed at the official 1798 programme and this is penned by Brendan Kane, this is interesting. What's the story here, Amy? Yeah, so Brendan spoke with Michael Fortune, uh, who, as you mentioned, is, is one of Ireland's foremost authorities on Irish history and heritage. And many will know Michael for his ongoing promotion of history, uh, his his capturing of stories of local people, and his website folklore.ie. Uh, so Michael spoke with Brendan, I suppose, to express his disappointment and not being included in the programme of events commemorating the 225th anniversary of the 1798 rebellion. Uh, Michael said, like, while he's not disappointed with the speakers lined up to participate in the events, 
he, he is disappointed that he was omitted from any involvement, despite the fact he would have been willing to contribute for nothing. Uh, he did, said he did receive correspondence from the Heritage Office outlining that the academic approach, uh, that there is an academic approach for this year's event, but he doesn't accept this, this reasoning. I suppose that Michael has uh, done work with the National Folklore Department in UCC, uh, in UL, NUIG, and yeah. other universities around the world. So um, I suppose he, he's just feeling disappointed that he wasn't included in this. Uh, while he's saying that he is really in favour of the anniversary being commemorated, he's disappointed that his archives of material, uh, m- m- much of which includes you know, the stories of local people here in Wexford, won't be used in uh, the event and he feels it's a real missed opportunity. And they love him. He comes on the radio and I've been to He had a wonderful presentation in the in the museum in Enniscorthy a while ago. He the, the listeners absolutely love him and he has, if you go on his own website, etc., he does wonderful work. So I'm sorry to hear that he's a bit peed off, to put it mildly, as it says in the article, but there you go. He's made his point and fair play to him for sticking his head above the parapet and I hope he is acknowledged because he needs to be, he deserves to be. I, I, I think he's put yeah. tremendous work into this county of ours. Yeah, absolutely, and I agree. I've been, I'm living out here in Kamukridge, and he's done some fascinating walks around the community, you know, just highlighting certain sites that, that you wouldn't even realise of such significance as well, so he's, he's fantastic. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran.